Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Read all of our stories over at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Follow us on Twitter, at TremendousUM, at underscore Zach Shaw. Rate the podcast if you like it. Share it with your friends if you like it. Subscribe if you like it and you haven't done so already. Um, you know, There's us. There's the recruiting podcast. There's the basketball podcast. Uh, we try to cover all the bases, but obviously there's a football focus. So lots of reasons to su- subscribe, you know, no matter what you're into, uh, there's a, there's going to be episodes and podcasts and guests and topics that suit you. So be sure to check it all out. Uh, today's episode. So we kind of went back and forth, kind of a slow news week. So we thought about, you know, potential other topics, but one thing that I don't think we have necessarily discussed uh, you and I, Steve, but has been a topic of discussion overall is uh, the the role that Chris Hinton Sr. and Maya Hinton are playing in terms of the, uh, well, how the NCAA is handling COVID-19. So we can start with just a little bit of background. I mean, I know you've, you've covered uh, the Hintons as recruits. Uh, I think we got Chris Hinton once as a player. I could be wrong there, but um, you know, both of the parents went to Northwestern, uh, Maya or Mia, forgive me, um, if I'm wrong there, but played basketball for Northwestern. Chris played football for Northwestern, became a seven time pro bowl NFL yeah. offensive lineman. I think he's regarded as maybe one of the best players in NFL history to not make the hall of fame. And, and then they owned a winery, I guess for 20 years. And, and this year they decided to sell the winery. I think that was before for the pandemic. So continue to show uh, their smarts in that regard. But, and then I think, I think Maya or Mia said, said it best. She said, so anyway, now that we've sold that, we have all kinds of time. So the NCAA better be ready for us. And so it's uh, uh, basically they've started a parent coalition, I, I, over 1500 members and basically demanding accountability from the NCAA and, and some clarity, maybe not even accountability, just clarity on how they're, how they're going to handle this at, at big schools, how they're going to handle it at medium schools, how they're going to handle it at smaller schools. And I know they had that list. I've written about the list of, I want to say 26, 27 demands. Um, so they're doing, I mean, this is a necessary thing because I don't know about your thoughts, Steve, but the NCAA, they will talk about this at the end of the episode, but they recently, kind of came out with some guidelines, but for a long time out there, it was like, it was up to the school. And so if you're a, a, a recruit or a, or a player, I should say, or a player parent, you're kind of sitting there like, well, I hope my school is doing the right thing instead of like trying to cut corners or focus on competitive advantage over health advantage or, or not taking the full precautions. So um, first we'll start, your view on on the Hinton's role in this? They've they've gotten a good amount of media coverage on it, and I, I think it's necessary. Um, kind of keeping the NCAA honest, I guess, or, or maybe if not keeping honest, keeping them making sure they're paying attention to what the parents have to say. Yeah, so it's interesting because this is, I think, more of an NCAA battle than it is a Michigan battle, right? I mean, I think. We've seen the numbers. We've talked a lot about the logistical aspect of things from Michigan's standpoint. Feels like they've done things the right way in how they've handled this. The 
both Hinton parents are on record saying that they've they've been satisfied with how Michigan and Stanford have handled things. Right. Right. So much more of an NCA thing. As far I don't know if it's a uniform, you know, where they're looking for things to be more uniform, you know, or whatever. You know, I, I it's it's interesting. You know, as we had a topic on our board today talking about Oklahoma hosting or trying to sort of set up a big recruiting weekend with high school prospects and then having some of the current players try to host these guys, you know, and the thing was, well, why doesn't Michigan do something like that? And it's like, Hmm. I don't think there's a chance in hell that Michigan would do something like that right now. I mean, not to mention Michigan's recruited really well throughout this situation. So there's really no incentive for them to do it. But the thing that fans like, maybe people on our board didn't understand Michigan's their focus is on. It's not just the current players. It's, it's alleviating the concerns of their families too. Right. I mean, not trying to throw Oklahoma under the bus or anything. Maybe they have this set up properly. Maybe it'll work out or whatever, but they did just test just for the record. They did. It just test 92 players and they had zero positives. Okay. So, so some, yeah. Doing, so, well in that regard right so foundation there for them to maybe pull something like this off michigan don't think it's really you know the risks don't outweigh the rewards i think in this type of situation and i think those are the types of deals where a family like the hintons who have taken the initiative to you know get the discussion started i think that's where they're coming from is you know they, I mean, think about, it. I mean, this is, these are parents. This is just, it's very simple. You look at these are, this is just parents looking out for their children as any parent would want to look out for their children. They have a platform to create a voice to maybe do that on a bigger scale and they're doing it. And I mean, that's what it's all about. So I, my question, I don't know, like, I don't know what I, you know, I, it's like, I think it's going to be difficult like to you're not going to create a uniform situation here, right? I think we've already seen that. Tell me if you know disagreement here. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I think that there you talk about the winning over health. I'm not saying that there are schools that are going to sacrifice the health for the sake of winning football games, but I do think you know we've seen it in college football in a lot of different areas that I don't know. I think the emphasis will be less in certain areas. It maybe is not as serious in certain areas as it should be. Am I, am I wrong here? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, that to me, that's a huge question is if, you know, say Clemson, or maybe Clemson's not a good example because the ACC is easy. Say Alabama is scheduled to play LSU and say Dylan Moses test positive two days before that. Do you honest, and, and this isn't meant to be an Alabama thing. I think this could happen at, at a lot of schools. But do you honestly think Alabama will withhold, or say maybe Dylan Moses is a good example, but say it's Ohio State and Justin Fields, or say it's, um, you know, USC and, and Keaton Slavis in a big game? Like, are, I, I just, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what schools will do. I'm not sure if they'll follow the rules when it when it really counts you know it's one thing to shut it down in in june and and build some some goodwill in that regard but yeah i i do wonder 
And that's a big question. And that's, that's those, those, there's a lot of questions that the Hintons have raised. A lot of it was, will players be able to sit out? Will um, testing, you know, how will you handle testing? What will you do when someone tests positive? And so I guess my, I, I really think the Hintons, um, I mean, I guess I tip my hat to them because, you know, they're not, they even said they're not necessarily just doing it for their kids. They're doing it. They're building this coalition um, because, you know, the Hintons know people in Georgia who are at other schools, uh, whether they be F, group of five schools or power five schools or even FCS schools. And there's a lot, there were a lot of questions. Now they're starting to get answered. I'm not going to sit here and say they all got answered, but they are starting to get answered. The NCAA had their document, but I guess more to the point, the Hintons had some interesting quotes on HBO's Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel. I'll just read a couple of them. Um, so first, Chris Hinton Sr., we should say, uh, said it pissed him off when colleges began allowing student-athletes back June 1. They felt that was too soon. That's when we, quote, that's when we said, this is ridiculous. Uh, they're not even hiding the fact that it's all about revenue. It's about revenue, and it's about the money. And... I guess my quick thought on that is if there wasn't a hundred million dollars at stake and if money weren't a factor, do you think they would handle the, do you think they would have put people back in June before most people or before many were even going back to work? Something, something to consider. Hinton continues says our kids, our athletes are doing things. They're not comfortable putting their faculty through referring to universities, uh, maybe, not having uh, class as many classes in person or set, saying maybe one half or one third of classes will be in person. Uh, Mia Hinton added, the optics of that are alarming. What does that say about your concern about our kids, our sons? Um, some perspective maybe to, to hang on to there. And then um, they called the, the players voiceless in this equation, something I, I felt was true, but I do think the Big Ten, Steve, maybe you, maybe you still feel it's true or disagree, but the Big Ten saying, and, and I think every major conference has said this, that players can sit out now and their scholarship will be maintained. They will not lose their standing uh, with the teams and it, and it will be enforced that it has to be respected. So um, some of this has been addressed, but I think this was the big one that got they got a lot of buzz is uh, Mia Hinton, who, who was, by the way, was an attorney uh, for a long time, said there is going to be at some point where a child is either hospitalized or worse. You feel at some level helpless as a parent. A lot of emotions that kind of come through and you pray that it won't be your kid, added Chris Hinton. Just based on statistics, somebody's kid is going to die. The numbers are screaming, pump the brakes. So their main argument Steve was that they the college football should wait until the NFL goes through its process and let the NFL kind of pave the way. And the argument's fair. I mean, they are the pros. These are people who are paid round the clock or who are paid heavily, who in whose entire lives are football around the clock. They're not, you know, I, I just wrote about Adam Shibley today. You know, he, he runs a nonprofit. He's, um, you know, he's part of the anti-hate, anti-race code. I mean, there are athletes who are doing more than just football. I know Michigan heavily encourages that. So, Steve, your thoughts on some of these quotes, the most recent set, and how 
how they thread into this conversation about what maybe the morality of pushing to start a season. I think it puts the individual schools in kind of a weird position, right? I mean, Michigan's worked really hard to kind of create a plan to keep these guys safe. And I think if anything, we know by now, at least from what we know, and uh, you know, that it's Michigan Harbaugh, the program, not doing anything to put these guys in a position to just get them on campus so that they can play and win as many football games as possible. That just doesn't based on the way, you know, we had what we talked about, like the two hour zoom call with the parents laying out the whole deal, uh, the way that they've gone about this, the, the number, the test, the positive numbers have been incredibly low compared to the national averages, like way below the national averages. It's, it's just, to me, if anything, it speaks to the, the, just the inability to organize on the NCAA's part, let alone the NFL too, which is from what I know, I haven't followed it too closely, but seems like the NFL doesn't know what the hell they're doing in a lot of areas as far as a, you know, a concrete across the board plan. It almost seems like it's a team by team type situation. Uh, I, I just think it puts the parents, it puts the families in, in like sort of a bind as far as <laughs> like who are the Hittens even arguing against? You know what I mean? And I'm not saying – I don't mean that negatively against them. I'm saying it's like right. the NCAA doesn't seem like they know or that there's no, you know, macro plan for any of this. It seems like the programs are handling this on a case-by-case basis and what the hell, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, the NCAA has done nothing in my mind to alleviate any of the questions that they have, right? Whether there's football or not, whether Michigan's done it properly or not, whether, you know, random school, you know, pick on Oklahoma again, you know, whether Oklahoma's done it properly or not, just like there's no concrete, consistent, protocol situation for how this is going to go. So I think it just, I think it from their standpoint, I think a lot of their points are valid, you know, as far as how they're approaching it, it's just a matter of, you know, I don't know, try not to ramble. I I just like it. My thing is like, it's just, it is, it's, it's, where do you point the blame? You can't point to me. You can't like, at least in our situation covering Michigan, I don't, you can't point the blame at them because I feel like they've done a great job. All things considered and setting a plan and executing it. But on the macro level, you're seeing other schools across the country. I mean, what was it? Clemson had 25 guys, and I think Texas had 13 or 14 guys test positive. It's like, you know, where do you point the finger? And it's got to be at the NCAA, but they've done really nothing to alleviate any of the concerns that I know the Hintons have and that I'm sure many – you know, they're just a mouthpiece for, like, what I'm sure are probably thousands – of parents across the country right now that are wondering, you know, think about, I mean, think about having a guy like any of these kids that were all the way across the country, like a Giles Jackson or Nick Eubanks from Florida, you know, sent just sending these guys back up to Ann Arbor, not knowing what the hell's going on. You know, as I said, I think there's the anxiety across the country for a lot of parents is natural and, and, and well-founded. And there's just really been nothing from the, NCA level 
to me, that's really alleviated much of what they're probably concerned about. Right. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's mostly fair. I, I do think the NCAA, I mean, I know it's, I feel weird even like saying, giving the NCAA credit on anything, but they, they had a pretty lengthy document. I want to say it was, you know, 20,000 words and it, it kind of discussed um, standard testing protocols. Uh, it offered a lot of information about COVID-19. It basically mandated daily health checks, which isn't the same as a COVID check, but it is, it can be um, helpful. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt, uh, you know, ways to, to mitigate risk recommendations. Um, you know, they, they basically said uh, teams should be doing outdoor training whenever possible, especially for the next few months. Um, they, they have actually a guideline for potential. We'll talk about this in a moment, but the guidelines for potentially having to cancel seasons or games, um, you're talking about the risks, but I think you bring up a good point that if you're a parent and I think a lot of schools have, have pretty low testing rates, I, you know, Penn state, uh, Michigan state, I know they just shut it down because a, a staff member tested positive, but their players have been, been pretty low. I don't believe anyone has had symptoms even, uh, Notre Dame has a pretty low testing rate. They seem to be a, a bubble success story. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're a parent and you're not at one of the schools that's doing well, I can't even imagine the um, kind of the inner dialogue and in, in, in thinking like, you know, you want your kid to be successful. You, you know, they love football. You want them there. There's a lot of potential arguments to be made that it can be helpful or healthy for them to be there at a, at a larger facility, um, you know, where they have round the clock staff, but then you're also like, I goodness. I mean, one, one bad reaction or one, you know, one outbreak and, and who knows what happens. So it's, yeah, that's, it's, um, it's kind of an interesting thing. And, and I think um, my big question is, how do you make sure schools are handling it the same in the fall as they are now? You know, how do you make sure you, cause it's one thing to shut down practices. Now it's another thing to shut them down in October. And so, and, and how do you, how do you mitigate the, the fallout that will come from that? And so lots, lots of potential discussion. Uh, one thing I did want to discuss Steve, I don't know how much you've read from the NCAA's situation, but one thing that I, I found interesting um, was they outlined five main reasons to cancel games. And I'm trying to pull up the list right now. But um, one was team testing. Like you, if you're not testing adequately, your season should be canceled or will be canceled. Two um, kind of outbreaks within the team. And then the other, the two that were interesting is they didn't look at national, anything national. They, they kept it regional. And I ran this by an epidemiologist and she said that that probably is smart to not, not keep it within the team, but also maybe not spread it to an, to, to a national level. Um, but they looked at positivity rates. So not number of cases, but t- positivity rates. And then they looked at hospitalization capacity for the area. And so um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's enough 
of a, of a protocol to have, but it seemed like a reasonable one. But your, your thoughts on, on this and, and just real quick to add to the context, um, when I looked it up yet last week and I'm going to look it up tomorrow when Michigan released their test results, Washtenaw County had a positivity rate below 2% and they had, well, I know this week they've only added four COVID-19 hospitalizations in the county. So it, it becomes, in, in a sense, it's not just, I mean, you, you have to be in the right area too, which I feel bad for athletes who do nothing wrong or, or are doing everything right, but they're just, they might be in the wrong area that might cost them some games. But your thoughts on kind of this breakdown of what it would take to cancel a season. And then also if, if you've been able to check out the document, their thoughts on some of the ways that they are treating positive results. So it's a 10 day quarantine and then it's a, I believe it's anyone who's been in close contact. So unmasked, you know, within uh, six feet for more than 15 minutes or indoors for more than 15 minutes, they count too. They also have to quarantine. So any, any thoughts on what the NCAA has released? I know it, it might not have satisfied the parents and I don't think anyone walked away like, Oh, okay. The NCAA fixed everything, right. but they have spoken on the issue now, which they hadn't done previously. Four hospitalizations in Washington. How long of a period of time is that? In the past week. Four total? Yep. Period with like athlete, no athlete, just people in Washtenaw County? According to Washtenaw County's okay. official website, yep. All right. Not a number you'd talk about when trying to convince fans that this isn't a serious situation uh, for you know, to cancel games or, or lose games. Uh, well, if I may interject, I meant to add this. Sure. An opinion I've started to formulate is if every county in the country had the current state of pandemic level that Washtenaw County had, I don't think there would be a debate over whether there should be a season. True. So understand Washtenaw County is probably partly due to the population, partly due to it hit Washtenaw County early. Uh, there's there's a lot of factors, um, you know. I think, I mean, everyone's got an opinion on what works and what doesn't work. But right, right. um, when I want to get into Washington that, Washington County is better than a lot of other counties. Sure, absolutely. Still, Michigan plays in Washtenaw County, so you know there that that matters a little bit. I would think uh, as mm-hmm. far as I think so. Right? But their, how he, their opponents don't. That's the right, yeah. right, 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 right. So you know. I don't know. I, I, I guess I guess this is what this all adds up to for me. And tell me if you agree or not, is no matter what takes place this season, I don't know, you know, whether Michigan plays ten games, five games, whatever. I just this is this is a season that's always gonna have an asterisk attached to it no matter what happens. Whether I mean, think about it this way, you know, like in Columbus, if Justin Fields gets COVID-19 in week six, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, or anywhere across the country, any, you know, just, I feel like no matter how this goes and that's where it kind of becomes kind of weird where it's like, is it almost, is it worth it? You know, um, of course we want them to play. So we'll have something to write about and talk about, but at what cost? 
you know, I don't know. It's just kind of odd. It's like, you know, when you're talking about, like, you know, if a guy tests positive, he's going to quarantine, you know, it's funny. I was like joint. I'm in, I'm in my Yahoo fantasy league, baseball league where, uh, with guys from 24 seven. And I have Freddie Freeman on my team who tested positive for COVID-19 and is no longer, he's free of COVID-19. But even on his player page, it says COVID-19 on it. You know, it's like, it's just like this, there's this stigma, there's the whole deal with it. And it's like, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like no matter what happens this year, I feel like this is sort of going to be an anomaly of a season, regardless of how safe everybody is, how serious of a situation this really is and stuff. And, you know, I don't know. It, that's why it, was like, it becomes hard to say, like, are they doing enough? Are they not doing enough? It just, it's, it's difficult for us to really know. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of where, that's you, fair. Know, you know what I mean? It's kind of like where, you know, it's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, obviously err on the side of caution, but I've always, I said this and we talked about this a little bit before we went on air. My opinion is I think these kids are, I think, and I'm not a doc. I don't know shit or crap. Um, it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's okay. Um, you know, I think they're safer where they are now than they would be if they were at home. You know, you have world-class medical facilities on almost all of these college campuses. And that's not like a, uh, Hey, go out and do whatever you want to do type thing or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, I think these guys are safer on a day-to-day basis right now in Ann Arbor, in Columbus, in South Bend, in East Lansing, maybe not East Lansing, but, um, you know, other campuses in Madison. Like, I think these guys are safer, you know, than they would be if they were all at home in their hometowns well, and, and, and didn't we, have the medical, the outlets from a medical standpoint that they have, you know, at, at Michigan or wherever program you're at or whatever. So, and we've talked about the training component of that where, would you rather if you're a parent of a kid of a, of a player i should say would you rather they train at michigan's 32,000 square foot gym with round the clock staff with like standard protocol with no revenue interest like a, 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 a well i don't need to throw a chain a chain gym in a city or or a town or whatever they might try to skirt the rules, you know? So, so this is what it comes down to is the, if the schools follow the rules, I personally, just my opinion from, from what I've seen from what Michigan and what some other schools have done, I think it can be pulled off, but that involves a lot of following that involves a buy-in from the schools, not corner cutting that involves, uh, you know, I don't mean to pin it on them because you know, they're, you know, it shouldn't be just on their shoulders, but it does involve some buy-in from the players. You know, as we talked about, um, you know, are you, it's one thing to do it to follow all the rules and all the precautions when you're inside the facilities. Unfortunately, just how quickly this thing can spread, you do also have to follow those. If you want to stay COVID-19 free, you have to follow all those rules outside the facilities too. And so um, I don't mean that to sound like it's, unfair but i mean it, it's just kind of how it goes and so yeah it's it's not gonna be i don't think it's gonna be a pretty season in the sense that i don't i think anyone hoping for, 
for the pie in the sky. You know, oh yeah, there'll be half. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the expectation is for fans, but there's going to be a lot of weirdness. I mean, think about Major League Baseball today. They had opening day today. Juan Soto test positive. He's out for a couple weeks, I assume. Uh, haven't actually officially read, but I know I know he tested positive. They literally decided the postseason format what three hours before the season started. And I'm trying to think what the third weird thing was, but it was, it's, it's going to be weird. It's going to, every part of this is going to be weird and different. Um, So I guess, and the Hintons bring up some really good points about, you know, how do you make sure schools are doing things the right way? Cause that's, if the, if schools aren't doing the right things the right way, this whole thing falls apart really quickly. We can talk about Washtenaw County or, or what Michigan's done, but they do have to play in theory 10, 10 opponents and, and, and things can fall apart at Michigan too. I don't think just to speak a, of Ann Arbor or Washtenaw County or university of Michigan as immune would be factually inaccurate. Uh, you know, it was shown in, in the spring. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tricky. I don't think it will be pretty, but I do think, I, I think teams are showing around the country that there can be a bubble made. There can be you know, system, a system put in place. And I think the NCAA offered a, a nice minimum. I don't think that's what every school should be looking at and saying, all right, let's just do that. But that's a, there's at least a minimum set. So one more thing that the Hintons brought up in terms of delaying the season, waiting to see what the, how the NFL does it and, and what, they learn Steve do you have a thought I mean right now I think everyone's schedules are just thrown out right no one's schedules are uh, relevant anymore like the the initial 2020 schedules and whatnot do you have a a thought on on should should college wait to see what the NFL does is are the differences too significant um you know, football is one of the higher risk sports because of the contact and respiratory nature of it. Um, I, I, I imagine, you know, I, I know some schools have already ordered the helmets with the face shields. Um, I don't know how much that helps, not an epidemiologist or, or any, or any medical expert in that regard, but do you have any thoughts on, on the college football and the, and the I know it's kind of a heavy question, but on what they should do. <laughs> Um, uh, without opening up a whole nother can of worms. No, right. I mean, right. you know, the NFL, these guys are being paid a lot of money, not saying that they should be forced, you know, into doing work and, and working and stuff. But I mean, you're talking about college kids and I know they're on scholarship and I know the scholarship is, you know, there's a monetary value to a scholarship. And so I just, I think it's a whole different ball game you know because 80 to 85 percent of those kids will never play in the nfl if not a higher number so uh i think it's a whole different deal i don't know if they should follow the nfl model at the same time what you're learning like i said already at the college level is i think i i just i don't know it's just so complicated because like my thing my big thing of this whole time has been why should the programs and schools who do things the right way be penalized 
Because here's the thing. I guarantee you 95, 98% of the kids want to play too. You know, it's not as if these kids are being yes. forced yes. to go to the campus and forced to, you know, these guys want to get on the field and they want to play as well. So why should right. schools that like that have, have set a good plan, have executed, you know, we talk about Michigan, but Michigan state as well. I know Michigan state just had one staff member test positive, but I know their, their overall numbers have been incredibly low. You yep. know, why should these schools be punished because Clemson and Texas and whoever else had like double digit guys test positive, you know, why should all these guys have to suffer? Because for some of these guys, you think of a Nico Collins, you know, guys who came back who want to improve their NFL draft stock. Why should these guys be penalized? Cause I'm guarantee you they're the ones that are following the protocol. They're probably healthy. Still they're working their butt off. You know, that's where it gets kind of careers at stake. Yeah, yeah. That's where it gets kind of complicated, you know? And so, and that's taking out the whole uh, just desire to watch sports angle of it. You know, this is like, these are guys who want to play football. Cause I think that's kind of been a neglected aspect of it is like, there's this almost this idea that these guys were sent to campus against their will and that they're like, you know, hold up and like, it's like waiting to be unleashed to play football. But like most of these guys, I mean, I can tell you for a fact in talking to some of the, players like these guys want to get out there and play like that's not a secret it's just it's what's interesting is it's you know I, I do I, I don't I don't know if like following a macro protocol is what the the thing is I just I think it's going to be a touch and go deal but my thing is I don't think the teams that or programs that do it properly should be penalized you know I think if you do it right your guys are healthy I think you should there should at least be a shot Take a shot, and we'll go from there. You know, I say that as opening day today, and Juan Soto tests positive like four hours before the Nationals are supposed to play the Yankees to open up baseball season. You know, it's kind of you know, that's like one of those things. Like, it, if that happens, you know, I just I think this is going to be touch and go the whole way. You know, my thing, like I said, I just don't think the the programs that have done it properly should be penalized, knowing that the kids want to play. So if you think about, I, I think you bring up a lot of good points. If you think about the premise of college football, what it was, well, I guess what it was founded on was that it was a game like this. They came before the NFL, but if you think about what, what college is meant to be, it is meant to be an avenue toward achieving your real world dreams. And so, you know, for me, it was, Late nights at the Michigan Daily. It was, you know, eating dinner at the WCBN radio station. And everybody has something. You know, the sacrifices they made, the choices they made for the goals and the aspirations that they wanted to accomplish. And the exact same thing is true, I think, for college football. I think it should be up to the players, and I think it should be up to the health professionals. I think those, if both parties can agree that they can pull off one team versus another, then then by all means play. And anyone who doesn't feel comfortable doesn't have to be a part of it. I think college, college football should always be optional. I mean, no one should ever be forced to do anything. I mean, no one's ever forced to do anything in college, right? Like you kind of decide on your own, you're an adult. And so um, I guess my point is 
these athletes, they want, they want this. And, and you've, I mean, I've talked to former players. You can talk to family members of players. I mean, they, they are hoping and checking the stats just like fans are. They want to play. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't play. If, you're, if you get to that level of athletics and you aren't, you don't love the grind and the work and, and the games and the competition, I don't, I don't know how that's possible. I mean, it's your livelihood for, for years and years and years. And so I, I talked about it when this initially started, the pandemic, and that you have athletes who have spent 40, 50 hours a week of, for years told, hey, you can't do this anymore. You can't be at the facilities. You can't practice. There's no games. And so, I mean, yeah, you, you certainly, I, I can't imagine or the majority of players wouldn't want to play, even with the numbers that there are nationally. But then you also think about, can, can they pull off this bubble? And I, I guess to me, I wonder, you know, I, I think speaking more to like the power five level, because I do think group of five, not every school has the same financial budget, things like that. But power five, all those schools make a, a great deal of revenue from football. And, and they can isolate this. I think I, my assumption would be that they can afford to, I could be wrong in that. So to me, I guess you, you have to keep an eye. I think touch and go is a good word. You know, if, if it turns out it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. If hospitalizations continue to rise and it starts to rise more with, with younger people, because I don't think there has been any player hospitalizations yet. Do you know of any? I guess we might not necessarily know. Next well, to none, right? Sure. But, you know, the hint is to bring up a good point. It only takes one. And if it was my kid, I'd be right. livid. Fair. Right. So that's, no use I, in I being don't mean re- to, to dismiss no, that. Yeah. No use in being, that's a th- and that's a big thing. I think that's always been, a, I think that's a big deal or a big uh, problem with everything today in general is you don't want to be reactive when you have the opportunity to be proactive about it. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's no, because if when you become yeah. reactive, then that means that something bad already happened. So, you know. Like it's better right. when you have the opportunity. So you to don't be... want to. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a very good point. I think any epidemiologist would tell you that um, any healthcare professional would tell you that preventative is better than reactive. Proactive is better than reactive. And so that's maybe the one sticking point is how do you, cause there's no way you can guarantee anything. And then I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth on that realm. But if you think about should college athletes be held to a different standard than pro athletes, I think most, in many ways, yes. But it should come down to are the players given the opportunity to pursue what they came to college to pursue? Because again, there's not fans. You can isolate this. It's not unheard of. And, and some schools are pulling it off. And, and so if schools follow the rules and players are, are want to do this, they should always be given a choice, no question about that. So if they have a choice and schools are following the rules and the, and the numbers reflect that, then I think there's a path to play. I mean, you know, in terms of delaying a couple weeks, I definitely see the argument the Hintons are making there. I, I generally tend to agree with what they've had to say. Uh, in terms of delaying until the spring or, or canceling the whole season, I don't know about you, Steve. I, I just feel like a path has been made with the NCAA with other, with some schools having success. I, I'm not saying this is going to be 
that there will be games, but I think a path has been created to have a season this year. It's just a matter of do do the coaches, athletes, administrators, directors, uh, you know the the officials. Does everybody who might be involved do what do their part to follow that path? And the NCAA is outlined. It has to be the rest of the country too. You know these local areas have to have hospital capacities. They have to have low positivity rates. Um, you have to be in a relatively stable condition come September in order to play. But I do think a path has been made. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely, there's been a path, right? I just think it's um, – I, I don't know. Like, if you ever watch Doug you know, with Quail Mans, like, they need patience, intelligence, and speed. Although I don't know where the speed – Part comes in. I don't. Do you understand that reference? Do you ever watch Doug? I, I watched Doug, but I didn't watch it okay. closely enough to so, get the reference. No, a lot of a lot of listeners might understand kind of where I'm going there, but I think patience and intelligence, maybe the two biggest uh, assets there for for this to work out. You know, it was like I because I got you got to caution yourself of an overreaction too, right? A couple guys test positive. Follow your protocols wait for the result, you know, let it play out. Well, like the Nationals are playing tonight, right? Yeah, with Juan Soto. We'll, we'll with Juan see if Soto that's a test, good idea. Right. We'll, like, we'll know in 40 we'll, – well, I mean, it's not going to take long, right? We'll know in 48 hours if this was a good idea or not, right? Because you got to think – I mean, logic says if, if Juan Soto tests positive, got to be other guys on the team that are at risk at least of testing positive, right? So – Fascinating stuff, you know, yeah. because that that is, and that's where you talk about the Hinton saying it only takes one person. That's where they are spot on because mm-hmm. it does. It would only take one person, takes one running back to run through the line one time hmm. and yeah. breathe. And all of a sudden you got eight linemen, you know, four on each side that are all testing, you know, because of one running back who tests, you know, has this going on. So, right, you know, Fascinating stuff, unprecedented times or whatever everyone is saying. So, right, pretty crazy in these unprecedented times. Yep. Yeah, no, we like I said. I think I said last episode did the drink the unprecedented drinking game, and it hasn't changed. Not going to change anytime soon. So there's the speed because that that game would go quick. (laughs) Oh, quail man, I love it. All right. Well, anyway, we we should probably wrap this up. But really, I I personally really appreciate the Hintons. being outspoken in this sense and and standing up for i think their coalition has over 1500 parents i mean i don't know it's it's they've always been uh really fantastic individuals i think the whole family has um i mean good family great kids. yeah i was gonna say <laughs> chris to label them because they went to northwestern and stanford and michigan but i mean just just talking to them and and hearing what they have to say and and I don't know. They're bringing up a lot of really good points, personally. Well, it's logical. You know, that's yeah. what, so. That's what the funny thing about it. They're very. It's it's simple, logical points. You know, good family, great family. Uh, Chris, one of my favorite players to cover in nineteen. Miles was great to cover in twenty. Uh, I know he didn't end up in Michigan, but still a pleasure to cover those guys. You know, his dad obviously 
a lot of prestige there traded for John Elway. So yeah, big thing. It's true. <laughs> All right. So anyway, thank, thanks to them for, for speaking up on behalf of the parents and um, you know, hopefully this conversation kind of helped bridge what they have to say with what we've heard about the teams and, and what's going on versus what uh, we know a lot of our listeners are, or the questions they have in, in their head. So for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Be sure to rate, share, subscribe. If you like the episode or, or if you like the other episodes too, um, check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.